Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we visit with Mark and Danielle Herzlick. Mark is a Super Bowl winning NFL linebacker with the New York Giants. Danielle is a captain in the U.S. Army and a new mom. Mark and Danielle met in college and to that point had faced very different battles in their young lives. Mark was a football star destined for the NFL when he found out he had a life-threatening cancer. As Danielle began college, she was in the process of putting a life of domestic abuse behind her and recovering from the terror that her abusive father brought daily to their home. As they both were seeking God to sort out their lives, God brought them together and showed them how they could use the pain of their experiences to help others find courage through similar challenges. My name is Mark Hertzlick. Um, I play linebacker for, for the New York Giants and going into my eighth season. Um, I'm a cancer survivor, um, husband, soon-to-be dad, um, and, uh, and, and big advocate and support and philanthropist in our community. My name's Danielle Herzlick. Um, I am married to Mark Herzlick. Um, I am a wife, uh, soon-to-be mom, uh, an advocate, uh, a captain in the Army, and a survivor. Yeah. Well, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, and then we moved to uh, Wayne, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia, when I was about four years old. So I, I grew up there and went to high school there. Um, and uh, I was always an athlete uh, through growing up and um, really played every single sport I could find or do, or swim team, tennis team, um, pat, you know, paddle tennis in the winter, to football, and lacrosse, basketball, everything. I would just do it. Um, and so... Uh, my childhood was outside, and we would we would play all day, and we'd come in uh, at night and and do board games. And you know, my parents were incredibly supportive uh, of me, not because I was successful, just because uh, they always told me just you know enjoy what you're doing. His parents are you know unbelievable parents, and they they what makes them such good parents in my mind is that how much they love each other and support each other. And, and Mark had an mm -hmm. unbelievable. Um, example to live to live up to which is really special I am from Boston um, I grew up right outside the city uh, a huge Italian family I grew up with you know my cousins and my aunts and uncles and my grandparents like all in this little family bubble I have two sisters um, one of them is exactly 12 months younger than me and then the other one is 10 years younger than us so a little bit of an age gap but um, and they're you know they're my best friends. Um, we're super, super close. Um, I grew up with uh, an amazing mother. Uh, I can't even really begin to say how unbelievable she is and just how she's my hero for sure. But I also grew up with um, an extremely violent and abusive father, so I kind of had this weird dynamic um, in my home. Um, growing up where um, there were some really, really horrible things that happened to us, but there were also some really incredible things and really great memories that I had all because of my mom. We had nothing and it was always, what can we give? What can we do? Every Sunday was at a homeless shelter, at a soup kitchen, at this. Um, my sister and I did, you know, over we did thousands of hours of community service in high school, um, organized by my mom. Like not, like not for any reason, just because that is how she is. Um, 
you know, we were always having people over for dinner. Um, we were, you know, always letting people into our home just that, you know, for whatever reason, she was like adopting these old ladies who didn't have anyone like to, like to come to our house and like just help them. And, um, you know, she's just, she's been incredible. So um, I had a lot of like the Christian base um, in my life, like from, you know, from a very early age. But in terms of having a relationship with God and talking to God, it was survival based. Like it was only, the only time that I would call on God is when I thought I was gonna die when I thought I was, like, something was going to happen to me, when I thought something was going to happen to my mom, when I was watching my father, you know, brutally beat someone in our house, when I was, you know, in the hospital, when whatever was happening. Um, So, like, my relationship and my, like, talking to God was literally for survival. I grew up in fear pretty much every day of my life. Um, You know, I'd be afraid to go home, and when I was home, I'd be afraid to you know, do anything. And being in that environment with other people, but me being the oldest, I mean, I kind of very early on, I mean, from the time I was probably eight or nine years old, kind of like became that like protector role. And um, I was, you know, in my mind, it was like my job to protect my me and my sisters and my mom from everything that was happening. So, um, and I, and I still kind of feel like I, like, carry that in, like, a lot of my relationships. Um, but my mom did, you know, an unbelievable job of um, protecting us for a really long time until it was, you know, until she couldn't protect us anymore. So, obviously, my father was um, very abusive. And then um, shortly after um, my father was removed from our home, um, my relationship that I was in in high school kind of very quickly turned into a very abusive relationship as well. Um, So um, up until I was about 18 years old, I I was extremely unhealthy in terms of basically all relationships with men and, and boys in my life. And I didn't have any concept of what healthy was at all. Um, and it also led me to make some, you know, really questionable choices in my life and um, experiment with things that I shouldn't have done. But whatever. So going into college, it was like a total breath of fresh air for me. It was the first time that I was able to kind of completely disconnect from everything unhealthy in my life and really kind of open my eyes to new experiences and new friends, like actual real friends and real relationships and um, realizing, oh, wow, I can actually be friends with with boys. After after my childhood and, and growing up in, in um you know, in Wayne, I went to Boston College and, and played football and things were great. You know, it was it was an awesome place to go to school. Uh, and, um, you know, my football career was going really well. And um, right after my junior year, um, we just finished the bowl game. I started feeling this pain in my left leg and the it was persistent and kept coming back and it was kind of there sporadically all the time. but. Um, it turned out after, you know, six months of not really knowing what this pain was, uh, got the diagnosis of uh, bone cancer in my left leg. And it was, um, it was at a time in my life where I was preparing to fulfill the dreams that I had since I was a little kid. I'd always wanted to be an NFL player and, you know, my mom was cleaning out her attic about a year ago and 
brought me this book and it was a little book that I had drawn the pictures of and written in elementary school and they bound it and you know we saved it and it was you know, what do you want to be when you grow up and it was a football player and it was crazy because you know, not only was it a football player but I had myself in like a blue jersey blue yeah. and red jersey yeah, it and, was crazy. and it was like a little Giants yeah, player on yeah. in there and um and I and I got that and, and it kind of brought me back to uh you know when I was diagnosed because so much of my life uh, had been about sports and been about football and so I was right about to to accomplish that and was looking at going into the draft and um was an all-american in college and so everything was kind of going uh, in this kind of dream sequence um and I was diagnosed with cancer and it seemed like in that instance all that stuff that I had been counting on or dreaming about had just been ripped away mm -hmm. and not only did it rip away these dreams but it also ripped away uh, my identity as a man and I think I identified myself so much with the tangible things the things that I saw on TV of what men should be big and strong and, and you know in the football arena rich. fast and rich and 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 you know getting the beautiful women and and, and uh, stuff like that where that's kind of what I thought being a man was and um, when I was told I had cancer the football was gone I was gonna lose my hair gonna, that future of, of a career that's out of the window too and so everything that I thought I was was now being taken away from me um, and started battling and it was just it's I think it's interesting how um, you know in, in your in your life sometimes um, you know when you feel like everything's ganging up on you and uh, it's kind of like the fight-or-flight instinct where you get back into a corner it's like okay how am I gonna how am I gonna fight this um, and at first uh, it was like you know what just gotta tough it up I can can fight it by myself and I can do it and I'll be good um, and the chemotherapy started and the radiation started and my energy was drained and I would, you know, get angry and irritated and, and feel depressed. And, uh, and it's interesting because that's really when um, I stopped fighting by myself and let God help me um, fight this battle that I didn't think that I would be able to do alone anymore. Um, and it was also right around that time where I let God back into my life. It was also right around that time where I let God back into my life that um, I met Danielle. When I met Mark, I I was probably a little bit further along in my journey just because I had like been in this kind of like Christian mm -hmm. environment like for longer. But I was still trying to figure out things and I was still trying to figure out how to talk to God and I was still trying to figure out like, oh, actually, um, I can talk to him and I can and I can thank him for things. I don't have to just like call on him when um, you know something horrific is happening. Um, so I think we were kind of. You were definitely you, farther along than I was. Yeah, definitely farther sure. along. I mean, with my you know I I had read the Bible front to back a trillion times because of my you know my major and all that stuff. So it was like. It was like I, I had all the groundwork and I knew everything and I, you know, could quote scripture and like, you know, my, fr my I was known as like, all my friends were like, oh, we have a God question, we'll go to Danielle. Like, she has all the answers. But it's funny because, you know, at the same time I was kind of like, but I don't really know God. 
-hmm. very, you know, very well. I feel like we met, like we couldn't have met at a more perfect time in terms of like both of our lives. Um, you know, when we first started hanging out, um, I think one of the reasons that he liked hanging out with me so much is because I didn't look at him as a victim or I didn't look at him with sympathy and I didn't, you know, like when we hang, when we would hang out, I, I, I didn't feel bad for him. Um, just because I, I knew how that felt to be looked like that, looked at like that. And, um, so we just grew this really awesome friendship. Like mm -hmm. I said, we, you know, really, I thought we were just friends, like we were in the friend zone. And, um, that was kind of when I, <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought. I thought like we were going to be friends, but it was really <laughs> special because he was like one of my first real guy friends. So, um, you know, just that for me was like a really big thing in my life. One night we were hanging out, watching a movie and after the movie, um, that's when she wanted to tell me her story. And mm -hmm. she told me about, um, about her father and about her life growing up and, uh, about how she had these insecurities with men, but how in that moment she felt like she was safe around a, a man for the first time and uh, and that she wanted to tell me something she hadn't told anybody and and she told me something that uh, you know she hadn't told anyone before and I remember after she 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 disclosed her story she looked at me and she said do you think any differently of me and I said well actually I, I do I I think you're amazing I said I I've never met someone so strong. And and it throughout the whole time I'd been dealing with, you know, a crisis of identity and figuring out who I was and fighting this battle for my life and and it wasn't until that moment when she sat there and had that safety while I was with her that I realized that being a man was not about all those things that I saw on TV about all the all the, you know, physical aspects that someone can take away from you. It's about being there for someone and creating this safe environment and filling that space with love. Mm -hmm. And whether it was her speaking to me or God speaking to me or whatever it was that night, it really changed my life. And I didn't ask her until much later, but I knew in that moment she was a girl that I didn't really ever want to be without. So like Mark was saying, we, you know, we started hanging out, we became um, really good friends. and. Um, then, you know, after a while, we did start dating and it did, you know, go to like the romantic way. Um, and I remember um, one of my friends or a couple of my friends, my roommates, um, sat me down one day and they said, you know, hey, we like Mark, you know, like we don't really know him that well. Like we like Mark, but, you know, have you kind of like thought about the fact that you're dating someone who like could die? And um, at that point, point I hadn't you know like it didn't really cross my mind because we didn't like hadn't really talked about it and like I said I wasn't looking at him at, like as that person I was looking at him as you know Mark so after that conversation with my roommates um I remember you know we we were taught he came over and we were talking or something and I remember I looked at him and I just said hey um do you ever think that like are you ever scared you're gonna die? And um, he looked at me like right in the eye and he said, I'm not gonna die, I'm gonna beat cancer and I'm gonna play football again. And like, I just remember saying, okay, and wholeheartedly believing him in that in that moment. And um, 
like never doubting it. And then, you know, when people would say things like that to me, I would just be like, he's not going to die. He's going to beat cancer and he's going to play football again. Like that was because, and I don't know, for some crazy reason, like I believed him just as mm-hmm. much as he believed it. It's funny because you talk to any of my closest friends um, during that time, th- you look, like think back and they look at it and they're like, gosh, I didn't even like, didn't even cross my mind that you weren't going to beat it, yeah. that you weren't going to like come out on top or you just, you, I just knew you would be okay. But I remember when I was diagnosed, uh, right after I was diagnosed, I had been like struggling because I was keep on, kept on putting on this face for everyone else saying, mm-hmm. I'm okay, mm-hmm. I'm okay. And I'd lay down at night and the fear would just envelop me. Mm-hmm. And I would lay awake and think, what if I'm not going to be okay? Mm-hmm. And those thoughts of, 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 of dying and, and, and everything was there, but I couldn't show anyone. Um, and I got a, a phone call from a stranger um, while I was um, you know, with some friends, and I got a phone call. And it was a guy who had seen my story on ESPN, and he called me. Uh, his name was Walter Musgrove. And he said, hey, uh, I got your number from somebody, and I just wanted to give you a call because um, I was also a college football player, and I also went through cancer, and I just wanted to tell you that I came back and I played football again. He said, I, you know, I don't know if you're Christian. I don't know if you pray. Um, but I want to encourage you to pray. He said, um, I prayed every, every day, uh, and I prayed specifically. Um, have specific prayers for something that you want to have happen during this process. And he told me he didn't want to lose hair on his head because just to him that meant he was losing the battle. And even though the doctors told him he would go bald, he prayed every single day specifically that he wouldn't lose hair and he didn't lose any hair um and and i i just i I heard him and i listened to what he had to say and i hung up the phone and kind of thought about it for a little bit and he said you know and i said gosh you know what what harm could this do yeah why don't i just try it and so i remember the first time i prayed it was in the morning i woke up and i said okay pray specifically what do i want and I remember it was like composing like a letter yeah. to like a it's like friend, a Judy Bloom. Yeah, that I haven't like talked to in a while. Yeah. It's like, dear God, yeah. I want to play football again and be healthy. Mm-hmm. And it's like signed, Mark. Yeah. Hope you didn't forget about yeah. me. <laughs> and uh, and so it was every morning and every night I would just pray this prayer that I'd play football again and that I would be healthy again. And um, it became. A habit, but then it also became my go-to when I felt that stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be laying in my bed and, and couldn't sleep at night. I'm like, oh my gosh, who do I talk to? And I had gotten in the rhythm of talking to God, yeah. and so I was like, I'm just gonna talk to God. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, it became less formal. I was like, yeah. bro, I can't do this. Yeah. Like I can't do this by myself, and I'm scared, and I can't tell anyone. I don't want to tell my parents I'm scared because they'll start crying. I don't care to talk to the doctors because they don't understand. Yeah. It, it, I can't do this by myself. Yeah. And it was like God just was like, let me get some of that. Mm-hmm. Give me all that pain. Give me yeah. all that hurt. Yeah. And just like 
it was just like a weight was literally lifted off my shoulders mm-hmm. and and so that became how I got back into being like God's a man like he's pretty good that continued through my faith and um, obviously God came through and my doctors came through and 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 you know, people all the time some people who are skeptics will be like Look, you had great doctors. You know, the medicine cured you. I said, who do you think gave these doctors the, these abilities? Yeah, right. I was like, who do you think put them in my life? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I was able to play football again, and I was able to become healthy again. The day after I found out that I was cancer-free, um, I got a call from a former football player who I had read his story and his book of how he – uh, got over a stroke to come back and play again, and I found so much uh, connection in in our two stories. And um, his name was Teddy Bruski, and he he reached out to me. And he called me, and uh, he had no idea that I had just found out I was cancer free. He just wanted to check in, and he said, "Hey, Mark, I I, I uh, heard you're going through some stuff, and just wanted to lend you my support and know that you can you can do it." And I was like, "Hey, you're one of the first people I'm telling. Like, I'm I'm cancer free." And he said, uh, "He said, man, that's." so great um he said you're a survivor now um and basically told me he said as a survivor you got you got a choice you have the opportunity to share your story and give back and help other people become survivors or you can say hey man this is awesome i'm a survivor and kind of move on take your steps he said whatever you choose um that's completely fine Mm -hmm. just know that you have that choice um and i remember hanging up the phone with him and being like all right, you know that's the next part for me is that I'm I'm okay and I'm healthy. Uh, now it's time for me to share my story um, and let other people know that it's possible and that um, you know that whatever they're going through, uh, they can get through it. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I started going and I started speaking and and sharing my story on, on, on TV and, and newspapers and then started Going speaking hospitals. at hospitals yeah. to kids and writing letters and started writing a book and was able to, to release it a few years later. And, and it's, been, it's been so uh, awesome because I've, you know, you know, it's cool to be like, oh, the sales are here, here. But the, when I get kids who e- to text me or tweet email. me or email me and say, hey, couldn't put your book down yeah my brother has been having uh having issues or um he got diagnosed with cancer and i i just sit in the hospital room and i read him your book like that yeah so i don't get emotional yeah but like that's what it's about and that's um uh you know there's no need to keep it to myself but it can help someone else yeah totally when I do the devotionals and when I when people be like, hey, you know, why don't you give me your favorite devotional or yeah. your, give me your favorite passage? I was like, well, it probably just so happens that today's is pretty good, yeah. right? Because <laughs> it's like it's a passage from yeah. the Bible, yeah. so it's probably going to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so today's was awesome. Uh, it said, let me help you through this day. The challenges you face are far too great for you to handle alone. You are keenly aware of your helplessness in the scheme of events you face. This awareness opens up a choice to doggedly go at it alone or to walk with me in humble steps of dependence. Actually, this choice is continually before you, but difficulties highlight the decision-making process. 
So consider it all joy whenever you are enveloped in various trials. These gifts from me, reminding you to rely on me alone. And then it uh, passes from James said, Consider it joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. And I mean, like how good is it that, you know, this is today, you know, reflecting back on, on things that have been not awesome in our lives and every single day, um, things come up that are temptations that, that are saying, mm, you know what, uh, probably shouldn't do this or probably shouldn't this go would there or, or yeah. this would be easier. Um, or big things like cancer or, you know, fighting for your life. Like there are these things that you are, you're aware of them, but God brings them out in this awareness that only he can provide. And mm -hmm. it brings up this opportunity and choice for you. Yeah. We were asked by the Giants, hey, like, you know, we need some players to come support this gala that we bought a table for. That was literally all the information we had. We got in a car, you know, that the Giants sent, and we went to the event. And so we had no, you know, I had no idea that it was a domestic violence shelter um, until, I don't even know if we, we knew when we got there. It was like, and you know, whatever. So finally, I'm, you know, I'm sitting down at the table and I'm realizing, um, I'm realizing that this is, you know, for domestic violence. And I remember the moment specifically, um, there was a, another wife and her husband that were sitting next to me. And I remember, because my back was to the stage, because it was a circle table. And, you know, my ears started perking up because the person behind me was, you know, who was speaking, um, I started realizing that she was, you know, basically sharing my mom's story. Like it was, it was, it, everything was the same. And so I turned around and it was like, almost like I was watching my mom, you know, up on the podium speaking because the, you know, the, the um, similarities of the stories were, you know, took, took me, you know, took my breath away. And um, I remember being in that moment and listening to her and, you know, really just feeling like, wow, this is one of the first times that I've heard, you know, someone else go through exactly what you know, I went through. And, and I, I mean, obviously I knew domestic violence happened, but it was like exactly what had happened. And, um, and I was just so taken aback, but also at the same time, I was like, wow, it's not just me. This didn't just happen to me. This didn't just happen to my mom. Um, and it was, that, that was the first realization that I had of that, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, for so long, I mean, you know, I could go on and on about, you know, about this, but, we were in the dark, like we were silent, we were scared, we were shunned, we were, you know, we were, we didn't talk about it, we didn't, you know, we were alone, completely alone. That was the moment where I, you know, I turned to Mark and I, at that event, and I said, I want to, I want to do something like this. I want, um, you know, I want someone to hear my story and I want them to, you know, realize that they're not alone. And this... The next year, one year later at the same same gala, um, Danielle didn't feel like she was able to share her story herself in front of everyone, but she wanted. Yeah, I hadn't. I hadn't found my my voice yet. But she uh, she entrusted me to go up and and be able to share 
well, not her story, but share my story. How it and, impacted him. And how my vision of my identity had changed and mm -hmm. how um, it had, you know, brought God's love um, into my life for, for, for others. And mm -hmm. so uh, I remember standing up on that stage and I had spoken hundreds of different galas mm -hmm. before for, for cancer related issues and, and perseverance and leadership. And, and I remember being up there and like, I was, I was speaking like to my wife. Yeah. Uh, and, and still to this day, every time I speak about this, it's like, I'm speaking to my wife and it just fills me with so much joy mm -hmm. um, to let someone else know is that I remember seeing her face when she realized that she wasn't alone mm -hmm. and she started crying and she just had that weight lifted off her shoulders mm -hmm. um, and and I knew that what that felt like mm -hmm. and so every time we get up and we speak and and you know, a young woman uh, or a young man comes up to us after and says, hey, I would like to talk to you about something. I know right then that they had that same moment. And mm -hmm. It's it's uh, it's magical. Yeah. So, um, you know, belief and validation is, you know, two of the biggest gifts that you can give any a survivor of anything, especially a survivor of domestic violence or sexual assault. So, um, you know, I'm so sorry that that happened to you and it's not your fault is, you know, a very easy way to to do that. Um, and usually when I do say that, you know, you, the, this look of just like, oh my God, you know, um, uh, just complete kind of peace. Um, cause a lot of the times that's the first time that anyone's, they've ever heard that. The first mm -hmm. time someone said that to me, it was the first time I'd ever heard of, heard it. And, um, and it changed my life. So, um, you know, not, so that alone, belief and validation, um, is huge. And then um, just kind of putting it into perspective of of you can do this too. Um, you know, you can you have you can change someone's life with your story. Your story is just as powerful as mine, if not more. And um, you know, you have the ability to do what what I just did. And um, that ability comes you know comes from God and comes from Jesus. And and um, and He wouldn't have put you here right now, like in this spot, if he wasn't planning on using you, um, and using you for this and, um, and just reminding them of, you know, that simple little thing, you know, you, you, you have a story, you have a voice and you can use it. I've been able to be healthy and to play football for one reason, and that's to be able to share my story and to be able to, to, to sow, yeah, to be able to sow into this community and help other children and, and adults know that just because you're diagnosed with cancer does not mean it's an end to your dreams. Mm -hmm. um, and this is an opportunity to make a choice to allow God to come into your life. Mm -hmm. um, and then with Danielle, you know, we, I think we feel like on both sides, on cancer uh, and abuse, you know, we decided, look, this is important to you. Uh, and so I'm 100% in with you. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's kind of how our partnership and our team and, um, and you know, our marriage has been forever and mm -hmm. always will be. And I think like one last thing just to say, cause um, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's nothing special about us. I think that both of us have just, like I said, decided to say yes. And, and there's one thing that someone said to me um, a couple years ago, uh, 
God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And I like and I feel like I've really just tried to live that way and realize that I am completely unqualified to do what I do and Mark is completely unqualified but um, you know we've just chosen to say yes and and you know we have we know what God has our back and and we're just gonna you know keep keep moving forward Absolutely. and and I just and I want everyone to, who's listening to know that they have every ability and capability that we have to, mm -hmm. to share their story too because that's what makes this you know so incredible Mm -hmm. Mark and Danielle Herslick support the Joyful Heart Foundation, an organization that is committed toward a world free of sexual assault, domestic violence, and child abuse. For more information, please visit joyfulheartfoundation.org. Next week on the Jesus Calling podcast, we visit with Kay Warren, writer, speaker, and wife of Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback Church. Kay describes a painful time in her life as she dealt with her son's severe mental illness and how she didn't understand why that happened, but how she trusted God through it. My life is anchored on the belief that God can be trusted. I don't understand why Matthew had mental illness so severe. I don't understand that. I don't understand why we couldn't get all the help that we needed. I don't understand why he wasn't healed. I don't know. What I do know is that God holds those answers, and I'm content to let God hold those answers. Do you love hearing great stories of faith each week via the Jesus Calling podcast? We want to hear from you. If you haven't already subscribed to the Jesus Calling podcast, visit the Jesus Calling page at iTunes.com and hit the subscribe button. While you're there, we'd love for you to leave us a review and tell us how you feel about the show and what future guests you'd love to see. Your reviews and subscription help us share these stories of faith to more people who need the hope and encouragement of Jesus Calling. If you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.